This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School, and this is Launchpad, where I talk to successful entrepreneurs about the secrets to launching and growing their startups. Joining me now is Adriana Vasquez, who is the CEO and co-founder of Lilu. Lilu is a breast-pumping bra that promises to pump more milk in less time. She's an experienced product developer and received her master's in integrated product design uh, right here at the University of Pennsylvania. Adriana, welcome to Launchpad. Hi, Professor. It's so good to talk to you. Likewise, and you can call me Carl. And I will disclose to our audience that that you are my student, and so we I've seen you know I've seen you the progress of this project, and it's really exciting now to to have you on to share it with 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 others. Before we get started, I'm going to point our listeners to your website, and the URL is where Lilu, and that's where as in where close, and then the second word is L I L U wherelilu.com. Okay, Adriana. Uh, tell us, uh, give us the elevator pitch for Lilo. Yeah, of course. So um, thanks for having us. Uh, Lilo, we are making breastfeeding more compatible with the lifestyle of the modern mom. And as you mentioned, we've developed the first pumping bra that mimics expert-recommended breast massaging techniques to help nursing mothers breast pump 30 to 200% more milk, hands-free and hassle-free. Okay, so... Let's see. Let's start with the as-is process. So, so what what are the conventional solutions, and for that matter, why do why do moms pump at all? Yeah, no. So that's that's a great question. So, um, breast pumping is becoming a ubiquitous part of motherhood. If we kind of look at what's happening in the seventies, even. Um, most mothers were not breastfeeding. Uh, they were feeding formula to their babies, and they were also not returning to work as early as they are now. Um, if we look at what's happening today, over 80% of mothers start breastfeeding, and the vast majority are also returning to work within the first year of their baby's life. So in order to make uh, both work, uh, women rely on breast pumps. If they are not uh, breast pumping during the work hours, they would um, that would begin the weaning process. So they wouldn't actually be able to continue right. to breastfeed for the 12 months that's recommended. Um, so yeah, if we look at the status quo right now, um, moms are pumping maybe three to four times a day if they're just pumping during the, the work hours, and it mm-hmm. can take maybe 30 minutes each time. So it really does add up. It's a um, time-consuming process. It's not only the time that you're pumping, but also kind of like the setup time and the back and forth. So, yeah. So it could be as much as, if I do the math right, as much as twenty five percent of your day, you could be exactly. in a in a in a little room uh, hooked up to a to a breast pump. And so, so circle back and give us the benefit propos- proposition again for Lilu. So that's the as is process, and maybe maybe tell us just a little bit about what the dominant technological solution is for current pumping. Yeah, so breast pumps have actually been around for a few decades now, but they also haven't changed very much from the um, kind of inception of of, uh, breast pumps. 
So today, um, it's a device, uh, it's, a, it's a little uh, medical device looking that, um, yeah, like when, when women uh, set up the pump, uh, they have to find a private space, uh, partially need to um, undress, and then uh, we'll hook up uh, this um, breast pump bottles and start extracting the milk. So the problem with breast pumps uh, today is that they only rely on uh, vacuum suction. And mm. when we kind of look deeper into how that compares to breastfeeding, um, it's fairly different. Babies are not only using suction, um, but there's so much more going on between their jaw movements and their kneading, and they're also warm. It's a completely, it's night and day between breastfeeding and breast pumping. So um, the top three issues that uh, moms may experience while pumping is that it's painful and it's uncomfortable, um, and that it takes longer to breast pump um, than breastfeeding a child directly. And the third one is that despite um, a lot of effort and perhaps even spending 30, some moms will even pump for 60 minutes, they will still not be able to get enough milk uh, to mm-hmm. make breast milk the sole um, source of nutrition for their child. So those three issues, is like uncomfortable, takes long, and not being able to produce enough milk are, are kind of like the three big problems that um, mothers are facing today with their breast pumps. So kind of like uh, this is where we decided to focus all our efforts. And if we, you know, if we could tackle one, even if we could just tackle one of them, you know, that would be, that would be fantastic. And with Lily on our first product, we're trying to address all three. But the main one is that issue of not being able to produce enough breast milk, right? Because that's what's really the make or break for, for a mom to continue to breastfeed. If they're not uh, able to be um, to produce enough again, right? You're not gonna let a baby starve. That's when moms switch over to formula. So if we were only able to help a mom, you know, who's only able to fill barely half a bottle, and now she can get a full bottle of milk, that's a real deal breaker. So that's that's and that's the value that we can now bring to moms with our technology. Yeah, yeah. As I remember when my kids were little that seeing the breast pump it, it it's a it's effectively a a funnel just a little funnel shaped plastic device that's hooked to a, a bottle and my recollection is it's just got a vacuum pump on it so i get that it's it always seemed that it would make the mother feel a little bit like a farm animal to be hooked up to it uh but but and it never looked very appealing at all to me so so tell me what is so different about lilu how does how to, first of all describe it for us and then tell us the working principle yeah um so <laughs> that's actually a very common feeling for for mothers your observation about like not feeling uh it's not a very dignified um, situation to be seen pumping. So um, that's one issue that we're also trying to address. But I do want to uh, say, right, so with, with Lilu, um, we decided to make it as an enhancer or booster to existing breast pumps. And there's mm-hmm. many reasons why, why we went down this route. But um, what Lilu is doing is complementing the suction of the breast pump by adding um, massage and breast compression. So the way it works, 
to describe it a little bit to the audience because it's it's one of those things that it's much easier uh, seeing like understood when you see it than describing it. But it's a really great exercise. So it is. Um, You're on the radio, so we got to do exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> we have to paint a picture with words. Right. So when um, women are pumping and they don't, you don't want to be holding up those um, bottles and that plastic funnel that you described for. 30 minutes, right? So instead, um, mothers use uh, what's called like a pumping bustier or a pumping mm-hmm. bra. So you can think mm-hmm. about it. It's like a tank top with holes in the front that holds up those bottles. Oh. So in that um, bustier, we've embedded our patent-pending um, technology that is it, – it really came out from inspiration from um, a field called soft robotics – uh, which, with the easiest way to explain it, is like when you think of um, when you get your your blood pressure measured at the doctor, and there's something that goes around your arm and it inflates, and then it like uh, that's kind of yeah, that could be probably one of the simplest soft robots if you ever even wanted to call it that, right? Mm-hmm. But that really explains the principle of how how um, our product works. Um, so it's air air pockets, or we're calling them air cushions now because it sounds. Uh, Nicer, and that's really what we're doing, right? It's it's a gentle. It's not a, a compression that would um, like be be painful. It's 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 more just to stimulate flow. So that kind of works itself. Um, we we make it so so, so that it works around the breast, um, reaching different like the mammary glands that the breast pump just wouldn't reach. And. And how did you, so maybe you can start by saying, reminding us what the performance improvement you get is by combining the suction with the, as you called it, the soft robotic, the pneumatic uh, massaging of the surrounding breast tissue. Yeah, so um, from the um, mothers that have uh, pumped with uh, Lilu, we've seen an increase uh, an average increase of 30% uh, more milk, but we've seen cases where moms have pumped 200% more milk. So a mom that mm-hmm. would only be able to pump like two ounces and would now be able to get seven to eight ounces. Mm-hmm. Um, so it can really make a, a huge difference um, than just using a breast pump on its own. And what about the the user experience? How do, does it feel substantially different as well? Yes, yeah, so um, that's kind of one of the benefits we've been seeing and that we've uh, been getting from our latest users, that the massage is, uh, A, it's much more comfortable than they first imagined uh, it would be, and second, it also kind of alleviates um, some discomfort that mothers get when they're just in general, when, when women are lactating, um, milk can get clogged in in the breast, which causes some discomfort. So the massage actually also really helps to alleviate that. Adriana, take us back to the beginning. Where did this idea come from? Yeah, um, so I've I've been in technology and product design for, for a couple of years now, and I started seeing colleagues and friends um, struggle when they were coming back from maternity leave and making again, like breastfeeding and work, um, kind of work. <laughs> and I was intrigued and also a little appalled to the first time I started hearing about pumping. And 
I was also kind of like uh, personally shocked that but maybe as a woman I just like how come I didn't even know breast pumps existed back like you know this is like three four years ago mm-hmm. so having um, again spent so many years in tech I really I really felt that um, you know we've become used to technology that improves our lives and makes things easier for us and suddenly I find that this device um, it definitely is helping it achieve a goal right which is to provide breast milk for 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 um, a child but everything else about it just seemed to um, go against everything that I had been like learning and studying and striving to to do uh, in in my in the products I was thinking of developing right so you we do user research and care about ergonomics and all of this and the breast pump just didn't seem to uh, have any of that so what um i decided to do is i i had that last year of my uh of my masters at penn to to explore an area that um i really wanted to improve and um i mean i made uh breast pumping kind of like my <laughs> uh it, it was like my mission is like what can we what can we do to improve breast pumping but what mm-hmm. really flipped the switch for me was you know in the middle of that um user research i started interviewing moms and at some point they started inviting me to like oh since we're talking about pumping come and like sit down with me while i'm pumping and um just like seeing how um difficult the process was was so so much different than just hearing it and knowing that you know one day more of my friends and perhaps myself would be in their shoes um i i I just really started to feel like gradually more and more like passionate about doing something and the last piece probably was that we sent out a survey one day to around the 20 mothers that we had interviewed that far and Within hours, not even maybe like it was half a day, uh, we had 500 moms that were writing back with lengthy feedback about their pumping experience. And sometimes the comments were passionate and sometimes they were angry and irritated. But mostly there was a big sense of disappointment in the process and the technology. So I I, I think at that point, that's when I really decided that I, I wanted to take this much further than a master's thesis and and really, uh, you know, make a product that would uh, make really help generations of of future moms uh, not have to deal with uh, the issues that women are having to deal now. So. You know, Adriana, the, the, I would say the most typical pathway for the guests on the show is that they have a problem themselves, and then they go to address that problem with the assurance that if they solve at least their own problem, they know at least one customer exists and that they've got the solution. <laughs> um, from at least the way you describe it, you yourself were not uh, a breastfeeding mother at the time, um, right. but you recognize this underserved market. And I wonder if you could talk about some of the challenges of you know, not being able to experiment on yourself and, and, ha- and it's a very personal object. So, yeah. so how did you get those initial, how did you, I'm just trying to imagine the first person that you, <laughs> for the first lactating mother that you put this device on and maybe you could tell us about that. Yeah. Yes. No, I'm eternally grateful to the first moms that tried the product. At that point it was a Frankenstein of a machine right. um, that, you know, um, at some point we were, even read this like when we were 
iterating pretty quickly on our design. So at some point, we decided we had to kind of like start from scratch. And one of the prototypes was made out of like swim caps and uh, like hockey, not hockey pucks, but um, badminton um, um, like pucks. And you would never imagine that a woman would be like, yeah, I'll put this on. And, you know, and then you actually also see it working. It was, I think that just speaks to how much need there was to and there is to um, improve breast pumping, but but yeah, it's been a challenge. Like I say, it's it's um, I think especially now, um, you know, in our several um, uh, we've um, fundraised a bit and we've continued to develop um, business partnerships and so forth. So it's actually one of the first questions, right? Like, are you a mother? Have you um, have you ever pumped? Or people will just assume so. It was it was a challenge at first to um, find uh, both um, people for that feedback, uh, it, but it, the challenge was all personal. It was about feeling fearful of asking people about yeah. something that could be so intimate. But once once again, I think it just speaks to how much need there is to innovate in the space. Moms that would come and test it, then they would tell their friends, and we had mothers that would drive like over like an hour or an hour and a half to come and try the product and pump in front of strangers. Uh, so I think that's really what, um, you know, like once that started happening, we know that A, there's a big need and second, that we are addressing that, uh, a need. And like once we start getting testimonials of how this product is, is making a big difference and how, you know, like a mom, it was only a couple of weeks ago. Said like I like I had the best output I of like breast milk output I've had uh, in a long time. With once they started pumping with our product, you know that's when we like now we have no fear, right? We know that there's still things um, that we can improve. The product can always be keep getting better and better, right? But that's kind of not only applicable to um, the product that we've been developing in our technology, but something that I've really learned over the past years is that user feedback is going to be invaluable, right? So you have to put your product in front of people. You have to put it um, to see it in, uh, in action in the wild, right? Because otherwise you're not going to learn. You're going to end up building something that either people don't want or that don't care to use or that even if it's it sounds wonderful on paper, right? But if they cannot use it because there might be some other issue, right? Like... Um, it might be too big or too bulky, or if it's an app, you know, too many steps. You have to get that user feedback. So that's yeah. that's kind of one of the key things that we've learned, and that I continue to um, we continue to make part part of our process. I, I want to shift gears just a little bit and talk about uh, f- fundraising. I I know you've operated quite in a quite lean mode, but uh, you have been able to to raise some some capital or some funds to help you with prototyping and so forth. Talk us through a little bit that process and how you piece together the resources to to get this product finished. Yeah. Um, so it was great that we started this uh, while we were um, at Penn. And I really encourage um, other entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs to, um, if they can start testing their ideas when they're at school. There's so many resources, right? So I think definitely, like, we've been very, um, um, 
like immensely lucky and we're very grateful about all the support that we've gotten from from our university right so we what kickstarted it was that we won one of the prizes that was put together by a, a competition that had been put together by the design school and the engineering school uh, we've had support from the Wharton Innovation Fund, right? And not only the, the grants, uh, but the feedback that we've gotten from that, that's been really helpful. So, um, but I think we, we've we been just really resourceful, right? There's so many, like, I, I hear it from other, like, uh, more um, senior entrepreneurs. It's like, now is the best time to start a company. I, I, I believe it. I, I guess there's no other best time but when you want to start your company. But... You know, there's accelerators, there's incubators, there's uh, grants for people who are doing things on like that have a social impact. So it's definitely not easy, and I mean, for for us, it's just the beginning of of our fundraising journey, right? But um, I found that um, there's the resources are there if you like ask and hustle and you know like tap into your network. Um, so you just have to like we what we've done is right we've pieced together a mixture of getting grants from even from the government and definitely from like schools and from organizations uh, um, that support regional uh, innovation. So um, I would encourage I I, I always say uh, if if you don't ask and you don't knock on doors right if you're not gonna find. Um, these resources they're not going to just jump at you but but they're there <laughs> yeah you know i i would underscore what you said the first of all i you make the nice point that that being in school it's a really good time to be exploring a company and there are so many resources available for free on most university campuses and so that's one thing but i would also say something else which is i think sometimes these opportunities that are perhaps underserved um and that have a good story to them and are, are intuitively appealing. Sometimes they're, you're more likely to be able to get grant and smaller amounts of fun, funds from incubators, um, regional organizations, the government, that allow you to, to get enough traction that you can start to attract more mainstream institutional investors. And I think you've, you've all done that uh, really well. We, we just have another minute or so, but I wonder if you could talk a little bit about your approach to finding a supplier to make to make this product. Yeah, so we uh, we spent a lot of time in China and Shenzhen. Um, it was we, we knew we, we had started to do that a little bit um, here um, in, in, in the US, but we found that it was moving a little slowly and we had that opportunity to participate in the Hacks Hardware Accelerator. So we had offices in Shenzhen and when we went there and suddenly, you know, what would take us a couple of weeks here here in the U.S., you know, was taking us just a couple, couple of days to get uh, done by suppliers. And it's been, you know, it's been a long process. We've probably reached out and interacted with hundreds of like factories and suppliers and then from there you just start you know narrowing it down little by little and going back and forth and testing and getting samples and it's it's a long process but you think you treat your suppliers and your factories as a partner and um, it's a relationship that once you know 
um, you're, you both are on the same page, and uh, they have to also believe in the product and the mission and the value, and and things at some point feel that they start taking off as well. So I've, I've found the factory and supplier um, part of it um, very, very interesting, but also very, very rewarding in a way that I didn't expect uh, mm-hmm. it necessarily to be. Yeah. I'm just going to underscore, we're out of time, but just let me underscore a couple of things you said. So this accelerator in Shenzhen, it's called Hacks, H-A-X, is very popular among among uh, young people doing hardware-related ventures, and, and many of my students have been able to use that accelerator, so I, I recommend it. And then this idea that you just got to get over the hurdle of getting on an airplane and, and getting to where the factories are in order to spend enough time to iterate with them and, and, and find something that, that works. So that, that's good advice. Okay, Adriana, we're out of time, but thanks so much for joining us today. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. For more information about Lilu, you can go to www.wherelilu.com. And Lilu is L-I-L-U, wherelilu.com. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, on Sirius XM Channel 111. The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes. For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.